The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gallup? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 40. I'm John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. we got a lot to talk about here on the podcast. Howie Roseman working that cap. We're going to get into all the different moves that have gone down over the last week and what it means for the Eagles salary cap as we are about a week away from the start of free agency. We'll talk about some potential offseason moves the Eagles could make. We'll take a, a little look at some of the stuff that Howie Roseman has done over the last couple of seasons that we particularly liked and uh, talk about some of the stupidity going on in the NFC East. Man, oh man, the Eagles are blessed to be in this division. Joining me to talk about all that here on episode 40 is the man behind BleedingGreenNation.com. May he reign forever, Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG, lots to get to. This is supposed to be kind of the slow time, but I got to tell you, the news has not slowed down. There's a lot to get to. A lot to get to, John. I'm very excited. Uh, me, obviously, being the second most important BLG uh, related to the Eagles, uh, I'm very happy. The no, first one. Bite your tongue. Bite, yeah, no, yeah, I know no, where no, you're no, going, no. but. The first one, thankfully, is staying with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm very happy about that. And mm-hmm. you know, we're going to get into that here soon. But just overall, free agency is. We'll be here in less than a week, man. Like this, this is going to pick up by the the next time. We're we're probably going to be podcasting. There's going to be a ton more stuff to talk about. So it's a very exciting time. Yeah, business is picking up around the NFL, and uh, we've gotten a more a, a little bit more clarity, I think, on the future of Nick Foles, which we'll get into in a few minutes as well. But let's talk about some of the magic that Howie Roseman is working this week, BLG. And we know that Roseman is a great finagler of the cap. This salary cap is just more; it doesn't, it does not seem to hold Howie Roseman to anything. He can he makes things work in ways that we really don't see coming. For a lot of the players on the Eagles in recent seasons, they've been very cooperative in trying to help him put a team on the field that can be a Super Bowl contender. And so he's made a bunch of moves this week. When the offseason started here, BLG, the Eagles were a little over $12 million over the projected cap. But over the past week, Roseman threw a bunch of extensions and and, uh, the re-signing of Brandon Graham, as you mentioned, to go and some uh, contract renegotiations has reportedly freed up about 19.2 million dollars. And let's jump into the first thing that we talked about and that is the the Graham contract extension, 3 years, 40 million dollars, 27 million dollars guaranteed. Obviously, bringing back a Super Bowl hero is phenomenal news. Doesn't pile up the sacks every year BLG and I know a lot of fans look at the sack number and maybe they were thinking with such a strong defensive line class and free agency and as well as the draft maybe the eagles go a little bit younger there or they go after somebody with a higher sack total but when you look at the total package that brandon graham brings why do you think that this was either the right move to make or the wrong move to make first of all obviously again really good initials that's the most important thing very much Um, blg very important that he is staying for that reason number one really though i mean it's just how sad would it have been if brandon graham left wouldn't that have been really sad imagining him playing in a different uniform i mean this is the guy who came up with the most singular joyous moment honestly Arguably, in our entire lives, you know, when he strip sacks Tom Brady and a guy who has gone just through 
so much to get to that point. Like, it would have been so sad. Uh, Brandon Graham is an awesome guy, and he's a really awesome player, too. Now, I know, you know, 2018 certainly was not his best season. You know, four sacks, 11 quarterback hits, those aren't good numbers. But he was coming off of that offseason ankle surgery, which he had, I think, back in like May. You know, so it was a quick turnaround for him. He misses most of training camp. He talked about how he felt like that hurt him even before the season began. So he wasn't making excuses for poor production, you know, once the season had already happened. Like going into the season, like he, he kind of cautioned that he felt like, you know, he's going to have to ramp his way up. And I kind of felt like, you know, as the season went along, he started to get a little bit better. I mean, you saw him come up with, again, a huge play. In the playoffs, uh, he strip sacks Drew Brees there. Uh, if the Eagles right. recover that, they didn't recover that, right? I couldn't remember this, but I felt no, like they I don't, didn't. I believe they did. I thought they did recover that. They, they did. just couldn't make anything out of they, it, I they think. Didn't capitalize on it. Either way, you know, point being, like, this is still a guy who can make some really big plays for you. And I think, you know, everyone's going to get caught up in the sack total. That's just not everything. I, I know everyone not doesn't love pro football focus, and obviously their methods aren't perfect, I think. But, you know, you look at this guy – and over his career, he's always top of the league in pressure rate. He's, he's going to maintain that performance because even though he'll be turning 31 very soon next month, this is a guy who didn't become a full-time starter until 2015. Like, that's not that long ago. This is a guy who doesn't have a lot of mileage on his tires, so to speak. I think he's a guy who projects to age well in terms of his skill set. He's not like a speed rusher that is going to rely purely on his athleticism all the time to beat offensive tackles. He's a power guy, you know, and I don't think he's going to lose that. <laughs> you know, I think he's, that's going to age well. So I really do believe in Brandon Graham as an important contributor here. People are going to talk about the culture factor. I think that factors into it for sure. I mean, just think about like what kind of message it sends. If you're the Eagles and you're like, hey, you know, you can come in here and you can make the biggest play in franchise history and then we're going to be cheap with you and then we're not even going to pay you like what kind of message does that send you know what i mean like how can you really preach like we have such a rewarding culture when you're going to let your super bowl hero walk out the door like that now some people be like oh what about nick Foles? i mean that's a completely different situation we all know that in terms of the cap space and the quarter like it's just not the same brandon graham they could so much more easily keep him than they could nick Foles, and they did and thankfully they did i'm glad he's going to be back i think he is a huge asset for this team you know, if they lost Brandon Graham, I mean, they were still going to need a top edge rusher. Like They're going to have to find that guy somewhere. And I think when you look at his contract, I think it's a pretty good value. Brandon Graham talked about being willing to take a hometown discount. And I think he kind of did. I mean, that's not to say, you know, he's on a total bargain because he's making what, like $13.3 million here uh, mm -hmm. annually. But when you look at where he ranks currently, that's 15th out of all NFL edge rushers. And by the way, that's before like guys like Demarcus Lawrence, D. Ford, Trey Flowers, Frank Clark, Zadarius Smith, Ezekiel Ansa, Preston Smith, Cameron Wake, Terrell Suggs. Like that's before guys who are going to get paid even more this offseason. Yeah. So I think it's possible that depending on who gets paid, he's not even top twenty at his position wow. annually. And I think that's like, are you kidding me? Like you're getting Brandon Graham and you're not even paying him top twenty edge rusher money like that's an that's a no-brainer that's not like oh you only has four sacks no like that's a guy you you resign and there's not a lot of skepticism about it in my mind no i i hear that but i i know the other reaction is that now does this mean that they have to trade michael bennett we heard down at the combine that uh, eagles officials were dangling michael bennett or talking about michael bennett trades and we know how good he was for the eagles last year too can the eagles afford to have both guys or, or do if they have to trade michael bennett because of this then was signing graham to a new deal the right decision i don't think they have to trade him because of it i think if they want to keep him they can my read on the michael bennett stuff it's just that it feels like there's more than what meets the public knowledge there is what I guess I'll say. Like, like it's it more than like, just about the play on the field kind of a thing. And, and the right. And yeah. And the I think there's the some money. factors there that like we can't fully account for. And like, we, we can't see ourselves. I mean, he still has that court date that is somehow is still like being pushed yeah. back. Like every day it feels like, um, I see announcement about that. I think it's later this month. So he still has that 
And, you know, that was a felony indictment. Like, I don't know what's going on with that. He could have to face prison. Like, I don't know. I'm saying I don't know what's happening with that. You have to keep that in mind. And even if he gets cleared with that legally, I mean, look at Nigel Bradham. You know, remember last year how, like, he finally got suspended and it only ended up being one game. That was because there was an appeal. I think originally he was going to get suspended, like, four or six games. Bennett might be getting suspended by the league. Like, even if he's innocent, like, that's just, you know, the NFL conduct policy. Like, they're allowed to do that to their players. So I think that's something you have to keep in mind. There could be a suspension looming. Um, I think you have to look at the fact that Michael Bennett reportedly was not very happy with his playing time. And you look at his actions and how he, he really wasn't happy early on the season. Like he didn't want to talk to reporters. There was a time where he said he wasn't going to talk to reporters for the rest of the season. You have to kind of go back and remember that. I, I don't think everything is super smooth there. And, and honestly, that's unfortunate because Michael Bennett was really productive for this team last year. And you, yes, you want to keep him. And honestly, maybe the Eagles can find a way to make it happen. But um, I just think you also have to consider financially, like maybe he wants more money. I remember when the Eagles acquired him last year, they reportedly kind of reworked his contract a little bit. There could be a number of factors in there where I, I don't think it's as simple as like you have this guy who is, you know, there's no issue, you know, off the field or anything, or like it's just simple, smooth sailing and you're trying to get rid of him. I just feel like there's a little bit more with going on with that situation. And again, it's unfortunate. You know, you have to consider he's a couple years older than Brandon Graham, mm-hmm. too. And who's to say, you know, he won't retire like after this offseason? You, right. you just don't know. So um, I think he's 34. Uh, so he'll be going on 35 here next year. So, I, yeah, I just I wouldn't freak out about that one. I know on the surface, like it doesn't seem to make sense. I just feel like there might be a little bit more than what, you know, is publicly known there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, obviously, when you had the accusations last off season, and then, you know, it came out the Eagles trade, I, mean, I was not real sure about the Bennett trade, knowing that some of the legal stuff was coming. And if that accusation was true, knocking over, you know, somebody who's disabled, an elderly disabled person, that's certainly not, that's certainly not, you know, something that you want to have in your locker room. And so we don't know. We, I, who, who, who has any idea? You have to be in the locker room to kind of, and one of the players kind of know what the dynamic was there. So you're right. There could be some other stuff going on there. And by not picking up Timmy Jernigan's option, that saved them $7 million in cap space. They, I think they do need to get a little bit younger along the defensive line too, BLG. And, and I know this is a good draft for that. I mean, they could end up spending pick number 25 on someone on the defensive line, whether it's uh, an edge rusher or somebody on the interior. But kind of looking forward here in free agency, there are so many options. And on the uh, end in the draft, there are so many options here. I mean, what's your what is your thinking right now? Do you think that they do let Michael Bennett go? Um, I don't think they cut him. Like, I'd, that'd be pretty surprising, right? Like, that sure, just but, doesn't yeah, but sense. they get a trade but, for him, right? Yeah, and I wonder what you could get for him. Because honestly, you know, obviously the Eagles didn't get, <laughs> it didn't, cost much to get him last year you traded uh, a fifth round pick and marcus johnson for michael bennett and a seventh round pick so it wasn't even like you just gave up the fifth straight up for him um maybe they could get a four you know because he had an even better year last year really statistically playing fewer snaps than he had played back before the eagles acquired him so maybe like a late fourth round is out there um Mm -hmm. i think the patriots could be a team to watch because you have to consider that they reportedly outbid the eagles for michael bennett last year i think they were willing to give up like a three is what i saw but the seahawks didn't send him there because ultimately like it was way too late in the process and they pretty much had already told the eagles like done deal and you know if they backed out of that (laughs) it would would, would not reflect well on them and it would make future deals you know with other teams around the league probably pretty hard not having to not being able to have that trust so I would kind of keep an eye on that. Um, you know, the Patriots are obviously potentially going to be losing Trey Flowers in free agency, so they might need another edge rusher to bring in. I think that could be something to keep an eye on. Maybe they could be a landing spot, and maybe you could kind of... Now, the Patriots are a team that probably wouldn't give up, like, a pick straight up. They love to do those um, pick swap trades, like the Eagles do, kind of like... Maybe they'll give us their fourth, and the Eagles have to send back a six or something yeah. in return, yeah. but... It could be, it could happen because, you know, this Eagles team still is looking to clear up cap space too. And I think you save what, like 7.2 million and zero dollars in dead money by trading Bennett. So, uh, again, not ideal. I would love to find a way to be able to keep all those guys because if you have a pass rush rotation of Brandon Graham and Michael Bennett and Chris Long and Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat is your fifth guy. That's pretty good. And then again, you can always still draft someone. So yeah. I would like that for that to be the case, but it just seems like they might have to 
move something there. And I don't want to like blame it on Graham. Like, you know, this is part of the offseason plan. It's not like they signed. Right. They're like, oh, now we can't afford Bennett. Like, yeah. crap. Like, they, you know, they went into that knowing that. And maybe that's the choice they made. It just might be how it plays out. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's look at some of the other moves that Howie's made here. Uh, Jason Kelsey uh, signs a, a new contract, uh, which created $4 million in cap space. And some of the criticism I've seen from some uh, is that the, the Eagles are going out of their way to extend the contracts and, and hold on to players who are a part of the Super Bowl run and that they're being too nostalgic holding on to these guys. But for my money, when you look at Jason Kelsey and how well he played last year, you're still talking. This is not lo- blind loyalty. This is a guy who's still an elite center and is key to kind of what this team does. So reworking that contract, adding adding an extra year or whatever it was on the end of that deal, saving cap space here in 2019 just makes all the sense in the world to me. What about you? I think you almost had to pay Jason Kelsey or do something with his contract to kind of convince him to not retire. Like, I think that's part of what the deal was here. Remember how that kind of happened with Chris Long last year? Like they, the Eagles and him got to a point where they felt like they kind of needed to readjust his contract to convince him to not retire. I think that's kind of the same deal here with Jason Kelsey because he had no guaranteed money in the final two remaining years of his deal prior to this new extension that was added on. So I think that's kind of what you're paying for in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Jason, don't retire. Take this extra money. Yeah. And that's worth it. What do you, What would you rather have? Um, you know, not Jason Kelsey on your team? Like, no, I want Jason Kelsey. You know, you look at the, the contract details there. You save cap space this year. Annually, he's now paid as the 10th highest paid center instead of the 12th. So it wasn't like a huge jump there. Think about that for a second. Jason Kelsey, 10th highest paid center. The guy yeah. is the best player at his position. And even if you don't believe that, I mean, he's at least top five, right? Like At worst, yeah, top easy. three. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like that's a bargain. Like I don't understand why people are getting like mad about that. I think the idea of getting younger is nice. That sounds like a nice thing to say out loud, but that's not always practical. And you can't get younger everywhere at once. Like you have to pick and choose your spots. And I think just because, you know, Jason Kelsey is over 30, you know, I don't think that means he's done being an effective player. You look at his look at his performance over the past two seasons. He's been excellent. He's been great. He's been one of the most important players on the team. And that's not even accounting for leadership and, you know, his ability in terms of knowing the offense and being able to have that communication with the quarterback, you know, that center quarterback relationship, like that's not even accounting that. (laughs) So I think all that's very important. I think you're able to keep Brandon Graham. You're able to keep Jason Kelsey. Like these are the pillars of your team, you know, for, for takes to be out there, you know, the Eagles are being too loyal or whatever. I I had a tweet that, that just inspired me to tweet last weekend. I was like, oh, man, the Eagles are keeping all their best players. Like, this is terrible news. Like, that's like that's what it feels yeah, to right. me. Like, that feels yeah. like that's the reaction. Yeah. Like, what do you boil this down to? The Eagles are keeping the most important players on their team. That's very good news, actually. Yeah, and we want the team to add from the outside. And, and I guess the, the worry is when you have a tight cap situation, uh, it prevents you from being as flexible to bring in outside help. But if you're losing as much internal help as you are bringing in outside help, it's not doing you any good anyway. And uh, one, a couple of the other things that uh, Howie Roseman did this week, Isaac Sayamalo's deal um, was restructured a little bit. It doesn't affect his cap hit for this year, but it does kind of lock him in for 2020. And Lane Johnson restructured his contract, which gives the team another $8 million or so in cap space. So BLG, after all this stuff was done, after Howie Roseman this week kind of finagled the numbers and where where are the Eagles at right now as far as cap space? We, we don't know the exact number because we still don't know exactly how Graham's contract works into everything, right? Yeah, over the cap hasn't put in Brandon Graham's contract yet. Uh, we don't know the specifics about that other than it's a three-year, $40 million deal with $27 million guaranteed. Uh, we don't know the exact layout, but... As of right now, over the cap has the Eagles projected to have over $17.8 million. And again, that's not considering the Graham extension. So it's going to be less than that. But you know, looking at where they are with that and looking at where they are in terms of depending on if Jason Peters isn't back and Nelson Aguilar and Michael Bennett, like you could save almost another like $30 million or so like right there they have now you're also losing some key players so it comes at a cost but i'm saying like if they want to free up money they can it's not really an issue and it's never an issue with howie roseman like that's that's never something you know to really worry about like the fact that howie roseman isn't going to be able to figure it out now you can always wonder if he's going to make the right decisions you know in freeing up that money or how they're going to spend that money 
moving forward, but like he's not going to have actual issues freeing up money itself. Like that's not going to be a concern. I feel like I always have to say this. It's kind of like a Debbie Downer thing to do, but like let's not reward players so much for like restructuring their contract. Like I think people kind of do that, not realizing what fully what that means. And all they're doing for the player is taking his base salary, which he would have to make like over this season, and they're converting some of that into a signing bonus, which means they're getting it immediately more yeah. money in their pocket. Like they're not I making get more a money now. You saying yeah. that's a good thing? Okay, good. I'll take I always, that. I always think that's so funny. It's like, <laughs> oh man, this guy's just a team player. It's like, well, I mean, there's no reason for him not to restructure. Like, it's not right. unselfish. They're not at giving all. money to back to the team by doing this. They're yeah, they're not Some, agreeing to a lower deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's not an issue. So, you know, there's there's obviously a downside to restructuring in the sense of, okay, like I'm not paying you this much money now, but we're moving it into the future. And it's not so much a concern when your players are really good, like Lane Johnson, like you're going to be paying him in the future anyway. So you, you right. feel comfortable doing that. Now, you don't want to get in a situation like the Cowboys were when they were just constantly restructuring Tony Romo's ridiculous contract year after year. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're still like left paying him now. Because, you know, they, just, they shoved all his money into the future and eventually it came back to bite him, you know, because he got old and hurt and he couldn't play anymore. So that's the downside. That's the risk to doing it. But in the meantime, you know, they were, they've been able to, you know, restructure Lane Johnson. There could be potential more restructures on the way. We'll see to free up even more money if they really wanted to. But uh, yeah, so the, the gist is that, you know, Harry Roseman, he has cap space to work with here. If the Eagles want to make, they can pretty much make any move in general that they want to. You know, there's there's no move like they can't necessarily make. Like if they really want to do something, they can do it. It's just about, you know, balancing it out and figuring, okay, which of our own free agents do we resign? Uh, who do you want? Who do we want to add in a trade? Who do we want to sign in free agency? It's just a matter of balancing all that out. And I think this offseason more than ever, like that's the real challenge because they just have so many things to address, but um, we'll be seeing how they do it soon. One last thing on, on all of these moves uh, before we hit our first break, you know, people are talking and it's, there's reason to understand why is because some of the needs that they have at the running back position, but you see the moves that they've made. And you mentioned just a minute ago, the moves they could still make to give themselves even more room under the salary cap. Does it seem to you at all like they're positioning themselves to sign Le'Veon Bell to a free agent contract? Because I, you know, adding the player makes a lot of sense given the fact that the Eagles could really use a big time runner. But we know we talked a little bit about it on the last podcast uh, with Doug Peterson had to say about running back rotations down at the combine. And we know it's going to be a big number that Bell signs uh, that Bell signs for. Do you think that uh, it's possible Roseman is kind of positioning this team to make a big splash and sign Bell on the, off the free agent market? I don't think it's impossible. You know, I think there's a chance. I think it kind of comes back to what we've been saying all along in that it would have to be a situation where his market is not as good as he expected it to be. Like, the Eagles aren't going to go out and sign him to some mega contract. Like, I just, I can't see that. And uh, even speaking on 97.5 The Fanatic this week, morning show with uh, Mark Frazetta, our friend Trey Thomas, of course, and uh, Bob Cooney. Adam Schefter downplayed the Le'Veon Bell possibility, really. He said he feels like the Eagles are lurking in there. They're keeping tabs on that. But he, he feels like uh, he wouldn't put them at the top of the list of the most likely landing spots, is what he said. So I'm kind of with him there. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm saying it's it's higher than a non, it's, it's a non-zero chance for sure. I just don't think it's the most likely thing. I think you look at another rumor about a running back we saw from this week and the fact that the Eagles are interested in Duke Johnson. I mean, that is a guy who I think that is such a howie move right there. Like that checks yeah, all the is. boxes of like, this guy is young. He's only 25. He is a very good receiving back. That is some certainly something the Eagles could use, especially with Darren Sproles potentially not coming back. I just think he's kind of been a little bit underused. Well, no, I don't think he has been underused has in been. Cleveland. That's a guy like you trade for, and all of a sudden maybe he blooms here in Philly. You give him a bigger role. Uh, I, I just think that would be a very Howie Roseman-like addition. And his base salaries are they're not too much. I mean, he has some bonuses in there, but – you look at eight, 1.8 million, 3.6 million. 
and uh, 4.65 million over the next three seasons. Like he's reasonably affordable. I think they can fit those numbers in. So I just think he checks all the boxes in terms of skill set, age, track record, his contract. And believe it or not, John, I saw this pretty good stat, I think, from over uh, our friends over at Dogs by Nature, which is the Browns SB Nation blog. And I believe Duke Johnson, there's two running backs in NFL history with five, at least 500 receiving yards in their first three seasons. And Duke Johnson is one of them. And Herschel Walker is the other. So wow. know, this is a guy who has some special receiving ability. Yeah. So I'm intrigued by that one. Yeah, I'm intrigued by Duke Johnson, too. I agree with you. I think he would be more of a Darren Sproles replacement, and he wouldn't be the guy that you would look for to, to take 15, 20 carries a game. And I do think that is something this team needs. They kind of need a, they kind of need both, to be honest, because who knows how much you can trust Darren Sproles to, say, to stay on the field from this point on in his career. He hasn't been able to do it much the last couple of seasons. So uh, depending on what the price would be, I would absolutely be interested in trading for Duke Johnson. But as far, I still think that they would need to either – draft a runner early and hope that that runner can can give you some production in his rookie season or sign or make a trade for a running back that's out there and we, we can get into a, to a couple of those names uh, coming up next uh, we'll, we'll step away real quick but when we come back we'll talk about some of those potential moves and uh, talk a little bit about Howie Roseman's best offseason move since taking over as the Eagles uh, GM Post Chip Kelly, he's had a couple. He's had a couple really good moves, and uh, BLG and I will give you our favorites. That's coming up next, right here on BGN Radio. And we're back on BGN Radio. So BLG, uh, we were talking right before we went to the break about Duke Johnson and the Eagles upgrading the running back situation. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell is the premier free agent on the market at any position, really. If the Eagles did want to make a big splash. Le'Veon Bell would certainly be the way to go. But as you look at what this team needs. This team, and I wrote about it for BleedingGreenNation.com at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of the week, whether or not this team would make a big splash in in the wake of the Bryce Harper signing with Philadelphia. We know the Eagles and Phillies sometimes have this friendly, not so friendly competition as far as one upping each other. But in this case, I don't think the Eagles are in a position to really do that. And there seems to me, BLG, to be a bunch of guys out there, especially at the running back position, where the Eagles can be smart with their trades and with their free agent money and really get some some guys that help. I know uh, on BleedingGreenNation.com we have an article up there about the possibility of trading for Jordan Howard from the Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw, I think, uh, Adam Schefter reported today that it might only take a third-day pick to get Jordan Howard. So what would you think about a, a backfield of Jordan Howard and Duke Johnson kind of combining? That That's not... I don't love Jordan Howard, but maybe in that role, you know, he has 2,000, 1,000-yard seasons, and he was just under 1,000 yards last year. What would you think about something like that? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting into territory there where, like, uh, you don't have one guy necessarily who's, like, the guy, but you have some pretty good guys. Like, that's a pretty interesting committee at that point, you know, where you have Duke Johnson, Jordan Howard, and Corey Clement is going to be back. Like, then, like, okay, we're, we're working with something here. And maybe you draft a rookie, too. Like, okay, you know, suddenly, like, this is shaping up to be something. Um, I'm not the biggest Jordan Howard guy. 3.7 yards per carry last year. I know the averages were better in other years. But, you know, he kind of got phased out a little bit, you know, once Tariq Cohen got there. Like, yeah, Cohen is kind of taken over. I don't think there's anything super special about Jordan Howard's game. Like, he's he's good. He's, he's fine. But I don't think, like, there's anything you're like, oh, wow, like, we have to have this guy. Um, he's certainly better than what the Eagles have had. He's also going to be a free agent after this season. So that limits, you know, really what you probably want to give up to get him. I don't really know how much you're, you know, rushing to pay him. And then just the fact that he really isn't much of a receiving threat, you know, don't love that either. Now, you know, if you had Duke Johnson, you're not so worried about that. But just, you know, ideally right. you're getting a player who's a little bit more well-rounded if you can, who has that, you know, all-purpose threat. Um, so I'm not crazy about it. I'm not saying I definitely do know at all costs, but like I'm really not itching for that one. I think there's better ways they can do that. Maybe like you trade for Duke Johnson and sign Spencer Ware, you know, like a solid running back, you know, a guy yeah. who um, was a little – I think he's been, again – like another underutilized guy with the Chiefs. And I know Michael Kist, uh, our, our own Michael Kist, has very much been pining for the Eagles to add Spencer Ware. And obviously you have the Doug Peterson connection there. Um, so that's definitely seems like it could be on the radar. And I, I kind of dislike that a little bit more, I guess, because you're it probably wouldn't take a crazy amount to get Spencer Ware. 
and that it probably wouldn't take, you know, again, a crazy pick to trade for Duke Johnson. So all of a sudden, like you're adding those guys in and I'm at least intrigued by that. I feel like that's, you know, certainly better than what they had last year. So they have options. I think that's the good news. Like they have, they have options. They can figure this thing out probably more so in other years too. Uh, I think it's clear that they need to move on in some respects, whether that's from Ajayi or or from Sproles. You know, I think there's moves out there to be made and I think they'll, they'll give us something to hopefully be excited about. Yeah, and I wonder, you might not be able to trade for both guys. That's a lot of trade capital you're giving up. You probably make one trade and one free agent signing if you're going to do something like that, and uh, unless yeah. you're not, unless you're really not giving much up for for either one of those guys. And so maybe you, you sign a, a free agent like uh, like Tevin Coleman or Mark Ingram. Uh, T.J. Yeldon was another name that we heard connected to the Eagles uh, this week as as a free agent possibility. So you know there there are some possibilities out there uh, to to improve the running back position, but I, I do think we both agree that and the other thing about Johnson and Howard combining them you're right if, if both are so one-dimensional the problem you run into there is if you have Howard on the field I think you pretty much know it's a running play right I mean and if yeah. it's if you have Johnson on the field you pretty much know they're not going to run at least not with him so well, do the really take... that no one would ever figure it out <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right but that's what was so good about Ajayi and and Blunt Blunt wasn't much of a, a runner a receiver out of the backfield but Ajayi could do a little bit of both and so it wasn't as much of a dead giveaway and you know we all know Doug Peterson is really good at, at disguising things and uh, making things work and you know to, to his advantage so he would figure out a way to make it work one of the other things that I saw you know we were all talking about on the the, the slack channel this week me you and uh, and Michael Kist and Ben Solak about what the Eagles are going to do with Nelson Aguilar and what they're going to do. We've talked about the wide receiver position a little bit, but um, I mean, they're going to have to start making some decisions here on Aguilar's contract next year. Saw how he renegotiate a lot of contracts and, and, you know, fix some things up. Just doesn't seem to me, I agree with the, with the committee that it doesn't seem to me that this team can afford to keep Aguilar on at the salary he's due to make next year. It just, it's what a little over seven million dollars. It's just nine point four million. Nine point four. Okay, I was getting him and Michael yeah. Bennett's number confused. Yeah, a little over nine mil, nine point four million dollars next too year much. for Nelson Ag. It's too much, right? It's too much. Look at that. Like, if go to over the cap. If you're listening to this, well, obviously, you know, if you're whenever you're in your car, wait till you stop someplace. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Don't do that when you're driving. Um, Whenever you can, (laughs) and you just look at the wide receiver market and like look at what those kind of guys are making, like nine million per year guys. So you're talking about um, Quincy Inua and Marquise Lee. Well, no, even more than that. Um, Dante Moncrief, like Randall Cobb. Just like you're, you're more in that range. As opposed to like, I think Nelson Aguilar is more in the kind of like a six millionish range, like a Danny Amendola range, or, or Travis Benjamin, Alan Hearns, five point five million. I think he's like more around there. Like you, you can't just look at Nelson Aguilar's two thousand seventeen season, as I've said many times, and like be paying just for that. Like that's that's not what I want to be paying for, because like, that's not the only Nelson Aguilar the Eagles have gotten over the past four seasons. They've gotten a guy who has had some real lows, some very bad struggles. And we've talked about the DR stat. I think I brought up from last week, the DYAR stat, where like he ranks almost at the bottom of his position in most years, except the one year where he was like in the top third, which, you know, even then he still wasn't like super, super high. So uh, I just think you look at the metrics there and I just, I don't feel great about it. Like I, I don't feel great about that number and bringing Nelson Aguilar back at that. Now, you know, I'm open to an extension. I just feel like if you could extend him for like, if you can get him to a two or three year deal at a relatively modest rate, that's what I have interest in. I don't know why he's going to be in a rush to sign that, I guess, but maybe he, you know, maybe the market isn't going to be so kind to him. I don't know. I think it's a really, it's probably one of the most interesting decisions, honestly, the Eagles have to make this offseason is what they do with him. And, you know, whatever they do uh, is going to tell us like how they feel about him. If they keep him at that number, then they must really like him because that is a very high number. And we saw Doug Peterson praise Nelson Aguilar heavily at the Combine. So maybe, you know, they do like him and they really do want him back. But, man, they're going to have to figure that out because I just don't think you bring him back at that number. It's just way too big. You know, at the same time, I say that. But, again, what do you do if you don't bring him back? Because all of a sudden, Golden Tate 
Jordan Matthews, they're going to be free agents. Braxton Miller is probably your automatic fill-in at slot receiver, which, you know, that's really not an ideal plan. No offense to Braxton Miller, but, you know, you're you're putting in a practice squad player at that point if you're not bringing back Aguilar. And the only guys who would be under contract if you don't bring back Nelson Aguilar are Alshon Jeffrey, Shelton Gibson, and Matt Collins. Like, those are your guys. Like, that's not... It's not a great room, man. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a real dilemma there. Um, and it's interesting because... You look at other teams around the league. I think the Vikings have been kind of shopping Trey Waynes, and uh, there was an, another situation too. I can't remember, but it was a two thousand. It was another two thousand first, uh, two thousand fifteen first round pick where the team picked up the fifth year option last year. Like you have to do it a year in advance, and now the teams are like, man, we do not want to play this or pay this player this amount of money. I think it's kind of an interesting concept, like this fifth year option. I think, you know, if you're getting to that point where you're activating it, like you almost, if the player is good enough, you probably have signed them to an extension anyway. You know what I'm saying there? Like, yeah, if, yeah, if yeah. they're worth keeping, you're going to sign them to a long-term deal. You're not going to you know, try to keep them on this extra year. You know, the extra year gives the team some leverage in theory, but I mean, it also kind of creates a situation where I don't think he'll cut them because, again, if they cut Nelson Aguilar, they can't get any kind of cop pick back for him. Like, he would just be gone. I mean, it's, you'd save the money, sure, but it's not a great situation there. So they have a big decision to make on that one, and we should probably, you know, find out pretty soon because they haven't. They only have until uh, next week when free agency starts on March 13th to really either trade him or, you know, move on from that number. They have to figure something out pretty soon. Yeah, a week from now, we should have a lot more clarity on Nelson Aguilar and a bunch of other players here um, as free agency gets underway. Um, so as we, as Howie Roseman continues to work his magic here with the cap, and we've seen him build a Super Bowl winner, you know, over these last couple of off seasons at a playoff team last year too, and and continuing to try and move some of the pieces. We're about to get. Uh, I think this is what his is this his third off season since reclaiming control of the GM position, uh, or is this his? fourth i'm trying to remember uh, exactly it was, i think it's his, 2017 2018 this is fourth. 19 yeah four okay so this is fourth and um, i'm trying to think about what i think is is the best move that he's made as gm um since since getting the job back after chip kelly left so um i'll start with mine and uh and then because i'm sure you'll have a better one and uh you know i, I want to get mine out of the way first so it doesn't sound terrible uh, but i think i think the first alshon jeffrey free agent contract was his best move simply because a one a one-year deal prove it a one-year prove it deal for alshon jeffrey who was the best wide receiver on the market who none of us i remember doing the podcast with you a couple of a couple of years ago when we were talking about alshon jeffrey uh during the 2016 season it, mm-hmm. and you know talking about you know his impending free agency oh the eagles can't afford him he has a lot of soft <laughs> tissue injuries anyway but you know we you know he's gonna he's gonna demand so much money on the open market he's gonna price himself out of what the eagles are gonna want to do and then they get him on a one-year deal a yeah. one-year prove-it deal. I mean, that's just that was magic, and it it just worked out so beautifully. And he signed the extension, and when he got back on the field last year, he was still effective. And I, I think there's no reason to believe he won't continue to be effective over the next couple of years. At some point, age will catch up, but he's proven to be really tough uh, physically, and uh, he's, he's been healthy for the most part. So I I think that has been a fantastic deal. He was instrumental in them winning the Super Bowl uh, two years ago and in them being a, a good offense last year as well. So that's my pick. I think that was the best Howie move since he got the job back. How about you? Yeah, I think the thing that's so incredible about that really just is that one year. Like how like who yeah. no one thought that was possible. Like that was that was crazy. And it's it was so valuable too because, you know, there was risk in signing Alshon Jeffrey in terms of the soft tissue, the the con- just the concerns there about him. And you know, there were some attitude concerns there too. So to be able to bring him in, you know, on that one year deal and just like have that chance to evaluate him before signing him to like a really long-term deal, like that's there's a lot of value in that because I think you see a lot of times in the NFL and Howie Roseman has talked about this and I think it's something probably other executives talk about too where you don't know what you're always getting when you sign a guy in free agency. You know, some of these deals come together really quick you know, at the beginning of the league year. And it doesn't always, you know, involve like a player visiting the facility. Sometimes it's just like you're dealing with the agent and you really need this player. So it kind of gets done. 
I think that's kind of how like the Malcolm Jenkins signing went down. And then thankfully, you know, that worked out, but there, you know, there are times where I think um, you kind of go into it blind a little bit. Like you don't exactly know who this player is because he hasn't been in the building. Like you don't know what he's all about in terms of his personality. Like the whole, you don't have the whole puzzle completed in front of you there. You can obviously talk to people around the league and get a sense, but you know, you don't have that first hand experience with that player. So for them to get Austin like that, I definitely agree. That was huge. Um, That really jumped out to me when we were talking about some of these top free agent moves. Um, You have to look at the Michael Bennett trade from last year. Like just the value on that was so insane. That's the kind of move that you almost just really expect Howie to make. Like that's not surprising to me when Howie is able to pull off those deals. Like he always gets good value, or at least a lot of the times he finds a way to get good value at some point. Like he strikes in, in those moments. And that's just a textbook Howie Roseman value acquisition and now again we'll see what happens with Michael Bennett yeah. from here on out but uh definitely last year it was and it was really the only big move he hit on or only move he hit on I mean you can talk about the draft and say Dallas Goddard or Maddox but you know just talking about free agency and trades like that was the big one getting uh Michael Bennett in here now I mean the greatest one of all time has to be Nick Foles right like it right, just that has to be it, yeah. You, yeah I mean you signed him at a pretty reasonable deal as a backup and he, he ends up becoming your Super Bowl MVP like that's that's pretty crazy and and it's kind of weird too it feels like we never know what to classify Nick Foles as because you know they drafted him in 2012 and Harry Rosen was part of that regime at the same time you know he was a free agent like you signed him does he count as a free agent signing because he was already here like it's kind of like a weird classification it's a it's a weird situation but um speaking of uh quarterbacks there John yeah I thought it might be relevant to bring up the situation with a name that has been connected to the Eagles this oh boy Pro Football Focus. Ryan Fitzpatrick is apparently yeah, as a player. potential backup. Yeah, he must sign. Uh, well, backup. I mean, I, I thought he was coming in to take Carson Wentz's job because Carson <laughs> Wentz is you know clearly just terrible. Yeah. So, what do you think about that? That that's that was floated out there. You know, I I think I don't want to be one of those guys who's really afraid to have a quarterback that's had a lot of success playing behind Carson Wentz because I think Carson Wentz is good enough to just win win this to, to own this Eagles job he, if he's a franchise quarterback it really it shouldn't matter who else they bring in from the outside so I would be fine with Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in as a, a backup quarterback for for Carson Wentz I would just get annoyed at the fan base calling for Ryan Fitzpatrick if Carson <laughs> Wentz struggles a little bit out of the gate or something like or the team's fall starts to a, a two and three record if I hear people calling for Ryan Fitzpatrick I just very well might lose my mind I think there's less of a chance with that if it's Nate Sudfeld. But, you know, I I do think that Carson Wentz has an injury history that you have to take into account. I don't think he's going to be injury prone throughout his career, but the fact is he has had injuries the last couple of seasons. And so I would probably feel a little bit better seeing as how we do feel like the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender next year. Of course, a lot depends on what they do this offseason that I would like to have a a good backup quarterback behind Carson Wentz, somebody you could depend on for three or four games like you could with Nick Foles. We saw they won a Super Bowl because they had a guy like that backing up Carson Wentz. I think it I think it makes sense depending on the price. How about you? I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is really kind of that Nick Foles mold of a quarterback, right? I mean, this is a guy who has some really good games. You saw this against the Eagles last year when he lit him up in week two. And he's also a guy who has some really bad games. And obviously, you want to sign a guy who has only good games, but that's not going to happen when you're looking for a backup quarterback. So you'll take those highs with those lows. You know, you'll hope that, let's say, Carson Wentz has to miss four games or a quarter of the season. Well, you'll hope that you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick can get you at least two wins there. And I think he can do that. I think he can keep the season alive if he has to come in oh, for yeah. a little bit of a stretch. Like, I think he's certainly proven, you know, he can do that. He can go out there and, you know, he, he's a smart player, obviously. Um, everyone talks about the Harvard connection and being an alumnus there. But, you know, just I just think that that would be interesting. And I think he could be available because the Bucks kind of like, gave up on him, you know, late into the season. They were playing like Ryan Griffith or Ryan Griffin, whatever his name is, uh, over him. And it's a new regime there, you know, with Dirk Cutter being out and Bruce Arians in. And maybe Bruce Arians wants Ryan Fitzpatrick back. I don't know. But um, I just think he could be on the move. And I don't really know, though. Like, I don't know what's going on with this Eagles backup quarterback situation. Because last week you have our good friend and former BGN radio and BGN writer, uh, Mike Kay of NJ.com now, saying that, mm-hmm. you know, the Eagles are reportedly in the market for a veteran quarterback. But at the same time, like you're hearing, okay, like 
so what, what's, so what, what are they going to do with Nate Sudfeld? Because Nate Sudfeld's a restricted yeah. free agent. If you tender him, and I think you would tender him at the second round level, that's like $3 million in 2019. So are you paying Sudfeld like $3 million and he's potentially ending up as the third string quarterback? Like that just seems kind of weird. And I don't think you're just giving up on Sudfeld. I mean, you've spent a couple of seasons now like developing this guy. Like you're just going to let him go. Like after that, you know, you spent like this time investing in him and he's only 25 years old. And I just, I think it'd be weird to suddenly just cut bait with him. So it's kind of a weird situation. My perfect thing in, in my ideal world, I would love for to be able to sign Fitzpatrick and have him compete with Sudfeld. I don't know if he wants to do that. I feel like he would kind of want to come in and have the number two job kind of like guaranteed to him. But I would love for him and Sudfeld to kind of just duel it out behind uh, Carson Wentz and whoever, you know, ends up having the best summer ends up being Carson Wentz's backup. Like, I think that would be great. I think that would be a really good test for Nate Sudfeld that would push him to take that next step and be ready for that backup job behind Carson Wentz. And if he doesn't win it, then you have a guy who is you know, capable of having some, some good games in Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I like that. Um, I would also keep an eye on Tyrod Taylor, as we mentioned here before, mm-hmm. considering mm-hmm. that he yep. has the Joe Douglas connection. You know, he was drafted I think in the sixth round of the 2011 NFL draft and you know so he was there in Baltimore with Joe Douglas for four years so keep an eye on that one too just because of that front office connection um the Eagles are gonna have some backup options available to them and uh I would like to get Fitzpatrick if he's out there one last thing before we hit our break um Philadelphia Inquirer reported that a Carson Wentz extension is looking increasingly unlikely this offseason we had talked about it during the course of the season that it's possible the Eagles could do that this offseason but of course they don't have to do it this offseason. And just wanted to get your thoughts on that real quick. Do you think the Eagles are kind of wanting to see Wentz prove himself next year? Do you think that they feel like that he needs to prove himself before they go down this road? Or do you think this is simply just a uh, a, a problem of having a, a tight cap and they don't want to they don't want to sp- invest that money in the quarterback position and then hold off that decision as long as possible? Or do you think that this is also maybe kind of benefiting Wentz too, knowing that he's maybe coming off not his best season and wants to put a better season out there so he can ask for more money? What, what, which of these are these three things? Could it be one of these three things or could all three of these things be going on at the same time? Yeah, I think it could also just be that Carson Wentz doesn't want to sign right now. You know, he he, he, he might yeah. feel like, you know, I'm coming off a low point in terms of my value. <laughs> His value is certainly not maximized right now if he signs a contract. I think if he signs a deal today, the numbers would kind of favor the Eagles ultimately, relatively speaking. It's still going to be a big yeah. deal, but I think, you know, the Eagles would ultimately get the best of the deal as opposed to him, you know, getting a more favorable side coming off a potentially big season in 2019. So, and I think the Eagles are fine, you know, waiting. They obviously still have the fifth-year option. They can exercise on him, so it's not like they're going to lose him. And, you know, and then the, you always have the franchise tag too. Like there, you know, there's no risk in losing him by waiting. Um, I just the risk to me is, of course, you're always going to have to pay more later. So I would always like it done soon, sooner rather than later. But I think you know you can spin it as a positive in the sense that okay, this gives Carson Wentz a lot of motivation to have a really good year, even more motivation to have a really good year in 2019 because he's playing for that next contract. So. I guess that's what it's going to be. We'll see. I wouldn't completely rule out a Wentz extension just because, honestly, it could happen at any moment now. The Inquirer can say that, but who's to say it can't change, you know, if the two sides start talking and they get to numbers that they oh, like. Sure. That, like it, yeah. could, it, it could pop up at any time now. So um, it's something that is certainly going to happen at some point. I feel like it's just a matter of when. Well, up next, the Eagles are lucky. They play in a division where the three teams that they battle with all season long may be the three dumbest front offices in football, <laughs> and they've had a fun week. So we'll tell you what's been going on in the NFC East next right here on BGN Radio. And we're back on BGN Radio. So we're going to wrap up episode 40 here talking about the NFC East BLG and uh, some late-breaking news on Thursday, late Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. The Redskins have worked out their quarterback situation for next year, and uh, they have acquired Case Keenum and a seventh-round pick from the Broncos in exchange for for a sixth-round pick. Of course, Case Keenum is the quarterback who took the Vikings to the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia where he got destroyed uh, by the Eagles. Although, you know, there was a point in that game where Case Keenum really had no shot. It's, it's, that, was, that loss was hung on the Vikings' defense for sure. But uh, Case Keenum did not have a great year last year, BLG, in Denver. Obviously, they quote-unquote upgraded by going to Joe Flacco. Um, and the Redskins are in a weird situation. They have Alex Smith, who's going to be out 
out for the year. They know they don't have him, but they've got a lot of money committed to him. So they're trying to find a one-year option here with it, that where they're not going to have to spend a ton of money. And, you know, it's... It's going to really benefit the Eagles next year. I mean, the Redskins, this is just going to be a lost season for them next season. But under the circumstances, I don't know that this is a terrible move by them. But it is still fun to laugh at them. And that's that's what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they gave up really almost anything. Like, in, like the, you know, the sixth round pick in 2020. So it's not even this year's draft. It's next year's draft. Uh, and, and you get that seventh back in return. So you're moving them back around next year. And I think it only costs them like $3.5 million in cap space. But like, it's not just about that. Like, people are looking at that and like, oh, they didn't pay that much. It's it's not a bad move for them. Yes, it is a bad move for them, actually, because <laughs> there were much more preferable alternatives. And if you're an Eagles fan, much more scary alternatives that they could have done, such as potentially signing Nick Foles or Trading for Josh Rosen, like that would have been terrible if they traded for him. Or well, not terrible. I don't know if Josh Rosen is guaranteed to be good, but I'm just saying, like that that would that's a move that scares me more because Josh Rosen would be making like peanuts, and he could potentially be a pretty good player, and they probably wouldn't have to give up like that much to get him in terms of like relatively. If it's only a third round pick, which is you know it's rumored that it could be that little to get him like I, I would not wanted to have seen that because what if he develops into a franchise quarterback like that worries me. Getting Case Keenum, like, that doesn't worry me. Like, Case Keenum is not good. Like, what are these people saying he's good? <laughs> like, he had a good season in 2017, sure. But, like, look at the rest of his career. He's, like, a 80-point-something career passer rating. Like, how is this guy – like, he's good? Are you kidding me? He's not even guaranteed to win the starting job in Washington. They're going to make him compete with Colt McCoy. Like, and, and boy, what a riveting quarterback comber, uh, or quarterback controversy or quarterback battle that's going to be uh, between those two guys. Now – Again, Washington was in a weird spot because of the Alex Smith thing. They kind of they had to do something. You know, they couldn't just do nothing. They had to make some kind of move. Uh, but I feel like they could have made a choice to kind of uh, like get younger. Like again with Josh Rosen, or maybe they didn't have to do anything in the sense of like you just you roll with Colt McCoy and you almost go into the 2019 season being okay with tanking sort of and taking a step back because at least maybe then you'll have a path to getting like a young actually good quarterback I think that's the that's the problem with this Keenum move like if you're looking at it in the sense of it helps them be more competitive now I think yes it does in theory but is that what's best for Washington I don't think it is like I think it would be better if they kind of bottomed out and they got a young quarterback to develop for the future and I think this directly kind of like prevents them from doing that. I think this makes it harder for them to get that guy in the future because it's going to keep them mediocre in 2019 instead of potentially, you know, getting that, again, a really good draft pick. So I just don't think this really accomplishes anything in the long term for them. I think it's just kind of a waste of resources. I know it wasn't a ton of resources they gave up, but still, I just don't think like they accomplished much. Um, and if you're the Eagles, I think you love to see the guy who – will always be associated with 38-7 in the division. So I I think it's fine. (laughs) No, absolutely. And and the Cowboys made a little bit of news this week, too, announcing that they were going to place the franchise tag on Demarcus Lawrence, which will will now likely spawn yet another long protracted contract holdout with their best defensive player, BLG. Uh, Jerry Jones just continues to make one solid decision after another, my friend. Yeah, I mean, it's... The fact that the Cowboys, you know, they have no pass rushers pretty much outside of Demarcus Lawrence. Randy Gregory is suspended indefinitely. Tahoe Charlton, their first round pick from 2017, he's not any good. So, like, what do they have? (laughs) Who are their pass rushers? What are they going to do if Demarcus Lawrence decides, I don't want to play this year because you're not paying me? And what if he, you know, takes the Le'Veon Bell route and sits out? That's an extreme situation, and I don't think, like, you can just count on that being the automatic thing that happens. But I mean, the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys will eventually bend, you know, they're going to have to, to, you know, just kind of give up into what Demarcus Lawrence wants, because what else are they going to do? And Lawrence has a lot of leverage over them right now, again, because they don't really have a lot of other options. And there's also talk that like Lawrence is going to put off his soldier or shoulder surgery until like a deal gets done like that's not good news like he's he's almost like he's he's using that as more leverage because he's he's like look if you don't pay me i'm not going to get this surgery and then that's going to push me back my availability later into the season so it's just not an ideal situation for them like you know ideally they could have worked out an extension with him before the tag had to be applied for the second year in a row and now he's he has this big cap figure potentially once he resigns that and 
that doesn't count against the cap until he signs that. So like the Cowboys still have the cap space, but they have to figure that, you know, they still have to yeah. go into this offseason where they already have to make big decisions on re-signing other guys like Byron Jones and Dak Prescott and, you know, Ezekiel Elliott contract extension could be coming and you just paid Jason Witten $3.5 million for no good reason. <laughs> and yeah, you know, right. they're just they're getting tight, you know, on the cap all of a sudden. Like they have space, but they're going to have to like spend a lot of it to keep their own guys. And then I think that's kind of going to take them out of the mix for a guy they really want. And like Earl Thomas, you know, they've, they've been wanting him and I don't think they're going to necessarily get him because I don't think they're going to have the money to offer him top dollar contract. And Earl Thomas has wanted to play for the Cowboys. That's no secret, but he's also said like, he's not going to take a hometown discount to play for them. Like he, he wants to go yeah. and become the highest paid safety. And I think there could be another team out there that gives him that money he wants. So it's just not the, you know, the Cowboys aren't really doing the best job of managing the cap in my opinion right now. I forgot they signed Jason Witten. I totally <laughs> forgot they signed. It just slipped my mind. That's so funny. We talked about it last week. Anyway, uh, and then the and then the Giants who took a number a running back at number two overall last year when they <laughs> desperately needed a quarterback in a quarterback rich draft. They still plan on paying Eli Manning. They might trade Odell Beckham Jr. here over the next couple of weeks, and now they are not going to franchise tag Landon Collins because they don't have enough money. Also hearing whispers that they don't think he's good enough in, in pass coverage in an increasingly pass-heavy league, which that part of it may not be totally incorrect, but nevertheless... The Giants just don't seem to have any idea what they're doing with their roster, BLG. I swear, it's like I said it on Twitter. I think that between the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Redskins, you might have three of the five dumbest front offices all residing in the Nash- in the in the NFC East. And it's crazy to think about. Like the Eagles with Roseman and Peterson, that, that uh, GM and Lurie, that owner-GM head coach combination. The Eagles... I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but unless some of these other teams in the division get their act together, the Eagles might dominate this division for the next decade until they get their asses together. So what's going on with the Giants right now? What what, what is what is what is Dave Gettleman thinking? <laughs> I think the Giants have to be the dumbest. Like Washington, obviously, with Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen, like they're they're bad and they're dumb. But I almost think they're competent enough where they're they're more mediocre than they are just flat out bad. Like they're they're good at getting to like seven wins. You know, you, they can get there. The Giants can't do that. <laughs> they're terrible. They suck. And just another to me, I've never been the biggest Landon Collins guy. But you have to look at it like you know, this is a guy who turned twenty five in January. He's he's easily their most talented defensive player you're not tagging him because you you're in their excuses you can't afford it i mean the, the giants have plenty of cap space to be able to tag him and really his uh 11.15 million dollar salary on the tag by the way that would be fifth among safeties in terms of annual value that's not crazy for landon collins in my opinion and that's before earl thomas gets paid so when you consider the to- uh, the deal that earl thomas is going to get landon collins wouldn't even be making top six safety money in the worst case scenario. Yeah. And then, by the way, I'm pretty sure you could find a way to re-sign him. Like, I don't think he was holding out. So you're going to be able to lower that 11.5, uh, 15 million. Like he's going to get even less, you know, than that if you work out an extension with him, and he, he doesn't play out on the tag. So I just I, I think it's ridiculous to to say like they don't have enough cap space and he, look look I'm obviously you know an Eagles writer so you're gonna say oh I'm just biased against this no look at our you know, the Giants writer Ed Valentine from Big Blue View he this is what he said about the not tagging Landon Collins I quote this is a hard move to understand if indeed it is what it happens. It doesn't seem like good on-field business for the Giants, a team that needs help on all levels of what was a leaky defense in 2018 to risk losing a 25-year-old who might be their best defensive player. So that's there you have it, from the mouth yeah. of a Giants fan himself. Like they're, they're not liking this move. And that doesn't mean necessarily they're right, but I'm just saying like you have some perspective there. And you just look at the fact that this Giants team, who apparently doesn't have enough money to pay Landon Collins, has enough money to pay a washed-up, 38-year-old quarterback uh, $23.2 million, when they could save, I believe, $17 million by moving on from him this offseason. So, I mean, you just got to love it. Like, and, and it's just so clear by this point that 
Gettleman is a horrible, horrible. He is so <laughs> bad. He's so just dumb. He's bad. Like he's not. Yeah. He's not. Like maybe he would have been a, a good GM in like 1990 or whatever. But he's not a 2019 GM. Like he makes fun of analytics. And meanwhile, like how could you be doing that when a year before? Like you see the Eagles win the Super Bowl by being like the most analytical team in the league. Like it's just so embarrassing. And right. I feel like you can relate to this, John, because you know, the Phillies obviously had their issues with analytics over the years and they were behind yeah. the curve. Um and you know, it's it's less than so now, obviously. But it's just like you get these teams who just for some reason, like feel like they're just so smart by ignoring analytics and they, they know best and the results just do not like the confidence to be able to do that. It, like where are you getting that from? Like, your team sucks. You're making dumb moves yeah. and like everyone's ripping you for it. Like what are the giants doing? What is their plan? Like that's, that's my question to you. Like, okay. You're letting Landon Collins walk. Like, okay. So what's your plan now? Like, what, like how is this helping the team get better? Like, I don't, I just don't understand what they're doing. I mean, maybe they were thinking, you know, that uh, they'll wait until next year in a better quarterback class to to draft a quarterback, and so you might as well hang on to Eli for one more year. But at that number, just go out and sign yourself Tyrod Taylor and let him play for a year or yeah. something like that. Or Ryan you're, you're not going to be good next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not going to be good next year anyway. I mean, unless they're holding a delusion that Eli Manning has one more Super Bowl run left in in them. But I don't even think they're that stupid. I agree with you. There are there are a lot of teams that continue to operate as if analytics and advanced metrics in every sport don't exist that it's not the standard. It's the standard now in sports. It's not it's not that there's like four or five teams, you know, work on the computers, you know, looking up using different metrics and stats that nobody else is using. Every team's doing this stuff now. And if you're making fun of it, then you better be rest assured everybody's making fun of you. Because you're the one, you're the idiot at the po- poker table. You're the sucker. You know what I mean? Like, so if Dave Gettleman's looking around and he can't find the sucker, it's him. Yeah. That's kind of how, that's kind of how it works. I think anyway, that's well put, well, I'm, so, um, I'm just, just, I'm just glad we live in the NFC East here. BLA. Yeah. A really good week. I feel like just a really, a really good, like Strong appetizer week. to free agency. Just the NFC East being, you know, just dumb except for the Eagles. So. Good stuff. Exactly, exactly, exactly. All right, any final words before we wrap up uh, episode number 40 here, BLG? Yeah, so, I mean, we're hearing, you know, as we've heard for a while now, that Nick Foles will likely be going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We saw Les Bowen of the Daily News write an article about that coming out of the Combine. And he had even, I thought he phrased it well in the sense that, like, I'm not trying to report this as a revelation. I'm just saying that I went into the combine and I'm speaking now as Les Bowen that, you know, I'm expecting there to be some kind of market for Nick Foles. And he just said like, there wasn't like, it's just the Jaguars. So I'm really interested to see the contract that Nick Foles gets because I mean, signs continue to point that they're really the only team in play for him. Like, We've heard some rumors that the giants are interested, but I just don't see it. I think they're keeping Eli. Um, I, I don't see that happening there. And then, uh, Washington obviously decided to trade for Case Keenum. You know, the Broncos decided to trade for the Denver Broncos. Or the, the, just, that made no sense. The Broncos decided to trade for the Broncos. <laughs> yes, they decided to trade for uh, Joe Flacco. And by the way, I thought it was interesting uh, what Adam Schefter had to say uh, on 97.5. He, he said when talking about the Flacco trade this week that he felt like if that trade doesn't happen, then the Eagles are actually able to trade Nick Foles. Like he, he, th- he thought that was really the thing that kind of just at that point, it was like, okay, like Denver had some interest in Foles, clearly not yeah. enough to really seriously act upon it and instead go with Joe Flacco. Um, and at that point, it was just kind of over. It was like, there's no market for him anymore. It's like the Jaguars are the only team interested in him. And I just, that's, you know, kind of interesting. Like I said it before, it's just, yeah. like, you get these, these people who are like, you know, Foles is better than Wentz. And it's like, okay, then why does literally no one in the NFL except one team want him? Like, like you know, where, how do we reconcile this? Like, I, I just, the, the, um, the, I, I just don't know. Like, I just, it just makes me wonder. It just makes me wonder um, like how you can just be so staunch about like this guy is like a transcendent player and he's truly as good as, you know, some of these records he's breaking when you're just seeing like no one's really all that desperate to have him. Uh, I, I just think that's interesting. I think it's, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of deal he signs because if there's no market for him, like, are the Jaguars just bidding against themselves for, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it's possible. I was thinking about it today that maybe uh, 
there's I think the leverage that Nick Foles has is he could just retire. Like I've been saying all along, my my favorite. Yeah, no, I think that's for a while now. Yeah, I I I was I poo pooed that when you were first mentioning it, but if it's only one team that he's negotiating with and they're and trying they don't to lowball him, the number. him, yeah, yeah, I could I could definitely see that happening. No, absolutely. So we'll see. So, I mean, as much um, as yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Uh, there's other talk there. There's other projections he could get 19 million at least. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where Nick Foles lands. I mean, hopefully it's a, a huge number, right? Because the Eagles get a better yeah. comp pick uh, the, with the bigger and better deal he gets. So hopefully it's big. Um, we'll be keeping track of that. We'll be keeping track of all these free agent rumors. Again, the tampering period actually begins. I believe it's noon officially. If not, it's four o'clock. Either way, it's going to be on Monday, March 11th. So we'll, we'll see some rumors leaking out and at that point you know all the eagles players their own free agents like ronald darby and jordan hicks they'll be able to talk to other teams so uh you know if the eagles want to resign some of those own players before that begins like you know the clock is ticking here they only have basically till sunday so we'll see how that goes yeah. we will have all the updates for you on bleedinggreennation.com as always free agency is always a fun time of year for me get to talk about a bunch of news all the other writers will be contributing as well i'm sure you will john so a lot uh-huh. to keep an eye on for out at the site. Obviously, the podcasting, we'll have a ton of that, too, with the Kiss and Solak show giving you a bunch of breakdowns. We'll be here next week talking about what I'm sure will be a bunch of moves. So uh, a lot of action coming up. We've made it through that slow period of, you know, after the season <laughs> ended. And now this is it, man. We're we're getting ready to see what you know is how a new 2019 Eagles team is going to be shaped. So it's exciting. Yeah, strap in, kids. We'll have it all for you here at the Bleeding Green uh, Bleeding Green Nation uh, podcast feed with BGN Radio, Kisten Solak, all the other shows that you get here uh, as part of the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And that will do it for episode number 40. Um, then my thanks to uh, to BLG for uh, for tag team in the podcast with me again this week. And again, folks, subscribe, rate, and review the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, BGN Radio, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. Been a little too nice to y'all. Now I got a up price on y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hay. I won't get a ball today. Got lost in the ball in days. I'm flipping the ball. B-G-N!